Good morning, church family. It's a beautiful morning, and it's good to see everyone here. Allow me to draw your attention to the new communication card again this morning. You can't miss it. It's yellow. You should have one. Um, I just wanted to um, point you to the back of the card, below the box, comments, special needs, prayer requests. We've added song requests to that list as well for Jerome. So if you have any songs that you'd like to sing, write them down. Um, you know, if we get a hundred song requests, it's going to be hard to, you know, sing all those songs unless we just want to get together on a Saturday and sing for a couple hours, which, hey, that'd be great. Sounds good to me. Um, but notice that change. And I know for, you know, we want our guests to fill these out for sure. I know for our members, this might seem a little redundant, a little cumbersome to fill this card out every week, every individual. But as our Bible class teacher, Mark Verone, talked about this morning, we are a body. We are the body of Christ. And every time you write your name down on this card, you are declaring that you are a member of the body of Christ. And remember that God writes your name down as well in the book of life. So you are, like God, in essence, writing that you are in the book of life, you are a part of the body of Christ. So may that motivate you to fill out the card. I hope it does. Our scripture reading this morning is from Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 13, which says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, as God's chosen people, not as just people in the world, not as just humans, but as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive any grievances you might have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's a repeat scripture reading from last week. Notice on the communication card, one of the, the next step is to memorize this scripture. And I'll bet, I'll, I would imagine that if you just take five, maybe ten minutes and solely focus on the memorization of this scripture, you can do it quite easily. All it takes is five, maybe ten minutes max. And that scripture will be in your heart and will be a part of your foundation. Today, we continue our lesson on forgiveness. If you weren't here last week, let me just catch you up real quick. We talked about how when you are in the position where somebody has harmed you and you need to forgive, you're actually in the position of power. You hold great control and authority over another person. You can make the other person's life difficult or you can forgive. We talked about how forgiveness is a gift, right? And not a wage to be earned. It's purely a gift. We talked about how forgiveness is a choice and not a feeling. The choice becomes the first thing. The feeling and the healing comes next. We talked about how the first person to be set free when you forgive is yourself. Not only because you can begin the healing process then, but because your relationship with God is free to thrive 
when you're a forgiver. So today we pick up our lesson on forgiveness with the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. And if you want to turn to your Bibles to, to Genesis chapter 50, that's where we'll be. Joseph was a favorite son of his father. And he started out with ten brothers. He was the youngest of ten. Eventually there would be another son, Benjamin. He would have eleven brothers. But he was the youngest for a long time. And he was the favorite. And his brothers were incredibly jealous of him because he was the favorite. And the brothers mistreated him. And they even went as far to sell Joseph off into slavery because they hated him so much. They got rid of him, sold him into slavery. Now, can you imagine that walk Joseph had to make from Canaan to Egypt after his brothers had just sold him off into slavery? And how many tears Joseph must have shed along the way? That was a long, sad journey. And Joseph had every right to be angry with his brothers. Every right. Well, incredibly, when Joseph gets down to Egypt, he does quite well for himself. He makes such an impression on his master that his master, Potiphar, puts him in charge of his entire household. But it's not all rainbows and butterflies for Joseph. In fact, he gets accused of a crime he didn't commit and he spends several years in prison for that. Several years. Now imagine what Joseph must have felt like in prison. And all the more tears shed while he was stuck in that prison, hungry and lonely. He had every right to be angry with his brothers. But you can't keep Joseph down. The Bible says that God was with Joseph and through a series of events, Joseph finds him as almost the most important man in Egypt, second only to the king. The king puts him in charge of all of Egypt's business. And he's second only to the king. And then a terrible famine strikes the land. And Joseph was a man of wisdom, so he had this emergency fund saved up of grain and food. So Egypt was able to get through the famine because of Joseph's wisdom. But for the rest of the nation surrounding Egypt, they weren't so um, thoughtful. So all the other nations would come to Egypt for help. And who else comes to the feet of Joseph than those who hurt him so badly, sold him off into slavery? Joseph brothers comes to Joseph for help. And now, as we see, as we saw in the parable of the unmerciful servant last week, Joseph is in a position of power over his brothers. And he can pay them back for all the wrong that they did to him. He can throw them in prison. He can sell them off as slaves. Or he can make the choice to forgive. So let's read Genesis chapter 50, verse 15 through 21. To see what happened. It says, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, Your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers 
the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now, please forgive the sins of the servant of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slave, they said. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. He reassured them and spoke kindly to them. So here are Joseph's brothers, cowering in fear at Jesus' feet. And they actually, they make up a lie about some deathbed request of their father Jacob, asking Joseph to forgive the brothers all the wrong that they did to them to him over the years. And it says that Joseph wept. Now, Joseph was incredibly emotional at this time, I would imagine. And he'd like to believe that his brothers were sincere. But I don't buy for a minute that Joseph believed this lie. I think he saw right through his brothers. He knew they were lying about this deathbed request of their father. And when he wept, it was just a drop in the river of all those tears he shed along the way so far because of his brothers. But, get this, Joseph is still able to forgive. Even after all of that mistreatment, even after this pathetic attempt at an apology, he still forgives. How can he do that? Why did he forgive? This brings me to my next point about forgiveness. The forgiveness is panoramic and not narrow. Panoramic and not narrow. Those who have the ability to forgive have the ability to, like Joseph, see God's hand at work in the situation. So Joseph responds to the brother's pathetic attempt to ask for forgiveness and says, Am I in the place of God? Joseph is saying, You know what? It's not up to me to judge, to punish, to make your life difficult. If God wants to do that, you know, maybe He can do that. But for me, I'm not in a position to judge. He says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. So what we can learn here is we can trust that God is for us. We can trust that God is at work in our lives. Now God does not, He doesn't will for us to be hurt by others or by, you know, He doesn't will for us to experience tragedy. But when we do suffer pain, And when we do suffer, suffering, even when we're licking our wounds, whether it be by the hand of a brother or by an accident, God is present. God is there. He is present. Not in the cause of those things that caused you such pain, 
But even in the most hair-raising, difficult abuses, God is there offering healing, offering new life, offering reconciliation, offering restoration. Joseph has the big picture mindset. He sees that. And he trusts that God is working for reconciliation with his brothers and peace and restoration. And since Joseph knows what God is all about, Joseph decides to join God on that mission of reconciliation. He knows that God is for that. So Joseph, by forgiving, in essence, says, I'm going to join you, God, on this mission of reconciliation. So when we pursue forgiveness, reconciliation with our brothers and sisters, that's when we declare that we play on God's team. Because that's what God's all about. But like Joseph, we're on God's team. We're meant to be forgivers. We're meant to be reconcilers. We're meant to be peacemakers and restorers. That's why Paul says in our scripture reading this morning, as God's chosen people clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience as God's chosen people bear with one another and forgive whatever grievances you have against each other as God's chosen people forgive as the Lord forgave you why do we forgive each other why do we care about a relationship? Because we're God's chosen people. And that's what God does. That's what God's chosen people do. We reconcile. We restore. We care about one another. We bear with one another. We're patient. Because we're on God's team. That's why we do it. So this brings me to another point about forgiveness. Forgiveness is continuous. And it's not once for all. Continuous and not once for all. Every day you may wake up and be reminded of the pain that someone else has caused you. Every day. And you may have to forgive over and over again. Time and time again. You know, I, as I was preparing this lesson, I was trying to think of different scars that I had on my body. I have several scars, but I guess I'm fortunate none of them were as a result of somebody else harming me. They were always somehow self-inflicted from doing dumb stuff, you know, like wrecking a dirt bike or, you know, getting injured playing a sport I shouldn't have, something like that. But you know what? I do have a few emotional scars. I think I speak for pretty much everyone here in this room. We have emotional scars. And we see and experience those scars every day. And we're reminded of the pain and the suffering every day. And we must forgive time and time again. Forgiveness is continual. Not just one and done. You know who else has scars? Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has scars. Even on His resurrected body. He still had scars in his hands and his feet on his side. And as far as I know, he still has those scars today. 
And Jesus, who is perfect, never sinned, if He couldn't get through life without collecting any scars, how can we, who are not perfect and sinners, expect to get through life without collecting a few scars here and there? So God is present, not in the cause of those scars, but He is present in offering healing and reconciliation. We see those scars and we're often reminded of the pain and the cause. But we should also be reminded that God heals. Those scars are a sign of healing. Finally, I give you Proverbs 14.9, which says, Fools mock at making amends for sin. A goodwill is found among the upright. Fools mock at making amends for sin. Now, I want you to notice what this verse implies. This verse implies that upright people will sin against other upright people. Okay, that's going to happen. But what makes one a fool is when you care nothing about making amends. When you do nothing, you make no effort to make amends for that self, for that sin. Simply living in this world, being human being, means we're probably going to harm somebody else and we're going to be harmed by somebody else. And we might do it without even realizing it. You know, maybe... We had a bad day and we're in, in a bad mood and we say something we should have and we don't even realize it and that, pers- that person took it personally and it hurt them because maybe they were in a bad mood too. I mean, that's just the way it is living in this world. We're going to step on each other's toes. Alicia and I, we have a relatively small kitchen. So it's ev- inevitable when we're cooking breakfast or whatever, when we're working in the kitchen that we're going to kind of bump into each other and step on each other's toes. You know, we, we find ourselves saying, Oh, excuse me. Oh, pardon me. I'm sorry. Oh, hey, watch it. You know, it just happens. It's inevitable. I think that's kind of like being part of a church because we're an intimate community. We're going to bump into each other. We're going to say some things that we didn't mean from time to time. We're going to ne- neglect a relationship. We're going to feel apathy. We're going to doubt. We're going to have bad days. We're going to be in bad mood. But, when we remind ourselves that we're God's chosen people, we're God's chosen people. When something happens, when we say something we shouldn't have, when we step on each other's toes, when we're disputing or angry, we make every effort to make amends for that sin. We make every effort. Because we're not people who say, ah, I don't really care about that, that relationship anyways. It's not worth it to try to make amends. That's going to be too difficult. That's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be awkward. I'd rather just let it be. You know, it's going to be hard for us. It's not worth taking the time and effort to make amends to restore and reconcile and to make peace 
God's chosen people make every effort to restore and reconcile and make peace. Because God is a reconciling God. So if you were here last week, you remember I opened this, the sermon up with this story about this kid who asked God for a bike, right? And he said, well, I realize God doesn't work that way, so I stole a bike and asked for forgiveness instead. Well, the whole while, there's really more to the story. The whole time, little Joey is sitting on the sidewalk with a skinned knee, crying because somebody just stole his bike. And day after day goes by, and Joey is harboring resentment and anger. He's very angry. And he often daydreams about ways that he can take revenge on Danny, that thief, who often still rides by Joey's house carefree and happy on that bike. You see, Danny, he'd almost forgot, completely forgotten how he got the bike in the first place after pushing little Joey down to the ground and stealing the bike. Life has moved on for Danny. Joey is still bitter and resentful. Well, one day in Bible class at church, little Joey's teacher, Miss Ruby, announces, today we're going to learn about forgiveness. And little Joey thinks, ah, I know about this story. I know I'm a sinner and my sins are forgiven. I know Jesus died for me on the cross. But it surprises Joey when Miss Ruby starts reading from Acts chapter 7, the stoning of Stephen. And when Miss Ruby read the account of Stephen being stoned, when Stephen prayed and as Miss Ruby read from Acts chapter 7, while they were still stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he died. Well, Joey was caught off guard by this story of Stephen forgiving those people who were actually killing him at the time. And this is the day that Joey learned that forgiveness is a supernatural ability. Forgiveness, Miss Ruby said, is something that you can only do with God's help. And that's it. And Miss Ruby is right. If we were left to our own devices, forgiveness would seem foolish. If it was only up to us, we'd be people of resentment and anger for who knows how long. But if we trust that God is at work, that God is a reconciler, and God is a peacemaker, and if we follow Jesus and His example, then the impossible, being able to forgive, well, it becomes possible. That's the beauty of being God's chosen people. We have God on our side. And we have supernatural abilities like forgiveness. After all, Stephen was only human, right? But his Stephen's relationship with Christ and what he knew about Jesus 
made it possible for, for him to forgive even those who were killing him. He saw those who were bashing his head with a stone as people. As just people just like him in need of God's love and forgiveness. So little Joey reaches down and runs his finger along his scar on his knee and he sees Danny's face in his mind and he knows exactly what to do. And he takes his crayon and he writes, Lord, do not hold this sin against Danny. He writes on his coloring page. So here, in the story of the stoning of Stephen, we also find that you are free to forgive even when there is no apology, even when there is no request for forgiveness. Even in the story of the, the parable of the unmerciful servant, as we read last week, the servant never asks for forgiveness. He asks for time, for patience. But if he knew forgiveness was on the table, don't you think he would have asked for that? But he didn't, because how ridiculous is it for that servant to say, Your Majesty, I know I've got millions of debts against you. Would you please forgive that? Just cancel the debt and let me go. He would have never dreamed that would be on the table. So he didn't ask for forgiveness. He asked for patience and more time. And in the story of Joseph, Joseph got a request for forgiveness, right? He got an apology, but it wasn't sincere. It didn't come from the heart. In fact, it was a straight-up lie. So forgiveness, many times, probably most of the time, must be voluntary. Must come without any apology or request for forgiveness in the first place. It's simply a gift. It's a choice. Now, look, if you have wronged somebody, if you have hurt somebody by something that you've said, even if you didn't mean to hurt that person, it's always a good thing to ask for forgiveness, to apologize. That's always a good idea. In fact, doing so means you're not a fool. Okay? Like Proverbs said, fools mock at making amends. So if you don't ask for an apology, if you don't attempt to reconcile, okay, that's foolish. But an apology or a request for forgiveness is not a prerequisite to forgiveness. An apology or a request for forgiveness is not a prerequisite to forgiveness. So this morning, would you make amends with your brother or sister? Stop saying that's not worth it. That'll be too uncomfortable. It'll be too difficult. Stop neglecting your relationships because when we restore our relationships, we can restore our mission of being a light to the community. In the process of reconciliation, sometimes it happens in one meeting overnight. But a lot of times, it's a journey. You know what? Every journey starts with a single step. And there is a single step that you can take today in making amends with your brother and sister. 
You know what that looks like. Maybe it's a text message. Maybe it's a phone call. Maybe it's buying flowers. I don't know. But make the commitment today to be a forgiver. Because God likes forgivers. And we are on God's team. Our One of our jobs as a member of God's team is to forgive. Is to reconcile and restore and make peace. So make that commitment today. You'll notice I have that on the communication card. Make a commitment toward forgiveness and reconciliation. That's my plea this morning. Forgiveness is a gift, not a wage. It's a choice, not a feeling. Panoramic, not narrow. It's continuous, not once for all. And forgiveness is a supernatural ability. Only possible with God's help. God always offers the opportunity towards healing and reconciliation. Won't you join Him on that mission? If you need help with that mission, I'd love to help you. We'll have an elder here at the front, here pretty soon, standing up here. You can come forward to the front row. We will help you make that first step towards reconciliation, towards making amends. If you would like to become a Christian today, to become a part of God's team, one of those forgivers, where forgiveness is the standard and not the exception, will baptize you into Christ's death. You can start living a new life following Jesus. Whatever your need, please come forward now as we stand here.